You are listening to a special edition Lillo podcast. DC4U presents Justice League, the Zack Snyder Cut. DC for you. Welcome back to another Lillo podcast here on this Lillo network, Lillo listeners. Is that enough Lillo for you? It is for me. I am, of course, Russell Sellers. I am one of your hosts here on DC for you. And joining me, as always, as usual, the co-owner of the Lillo network and my illustrious co-host with the co-most, that is Mr. Todd Weber. How are you tonight, sir? Be very careful with the next thing you say. I'm always careful with the next thing I say. That's why I'm not going to offer you the reach around. I'm just going to say that this is going to be a special edition of DC for you, for where you. we are going to talk about the often mythological, now very real Snyder cut of justice league. That's right. It is no longer hypothetical. It is out in the world on HBO max, all four hours and two minutes of it and we have thoughts as you might have guessed but i feel like we couldn't do this alone we had to bring in some special guests to really talk about this thing proper so we got to go around the table and i want to start with uh, a guy who actually recently joined me on a special edition of dc for you to review the uh, wonderful animated movie superman man of tomorrow that would be from the casual geekery stephen ferrari welcome back to dc for you I, I have been looking forward to this day since they announced the date of the Snyder Cut, I'm so happy that we're here. I couldn't be more excited to have you back in the show, sir. It's It feels like it's been a minute, but you know what? We uh, It actually hasn't been that long since we did that last one. But, you know, who better to have here than uh, one of the biggest Superman fans I know? But speaking of big Superman fans, we got another one uh, on the panel today making his uh, little old DC4U uh debut but not his dc for you debut he's been on he's been on the show before you guys know him you guys love him he is the man himself mr greg phillips formerly one half of the hard travel fanboys there it is where's the theme music bring it in todd i'll i'll do it in post my voice is shot from yelling at the television as i we've got to always have the theme music it's it's certainly a unique situation there it is there he is greg welcome to the show oh well thanks for having me russell uh yes i am indeed a superman fan i am a former hard traveling fanboy and um uh, huge fan of the American males, Bagwell and Riggs. So let's get this uh, Snyder Cut review underway and see if we can uh, get to the bottom of all of our respective thoughts on this uh, this this happening. Yes, this is this is a big one. I think that it's fair to say that um, 
a four-hour Snyder cut was pretty much exactly what we all expected from Zack Snyder doing a director's cut of a movie. But I think if Zack Snyder had actually released a a version of his movie, if there had been never been a Whedon cut, if you will, that I, I still don't think it would have made four hours. You couldn't put a four-hour movie in the theaters. The, nobody would have done that. So this is the everything in the kitchen sink version of Justice League. It is every possible thing that Zack Snyder could think to put into his movie. Some of it really works. Some of it's really good. Some of it isn't. So with that, let's just go around the table and ask everybody, is this movie an actual improvement on the theatrical cut? And if so, by how much? And uh, Greg, since you went last in the introduction, I want to start with you, sir. What what were your thoughts there? I honestly have a hard time thinking of a an alternate cut of a movie that is this much better than the original one that came out. So the original theatrical cut of Justice League, I was a little bit easier on than a lot of people. Subsequent rewatches have not been kind, to say the least. Uh, in fact, they've been miserable. Um, and I was going into the Snyder cut with extremely low expectations. I was... I was uh, I, I wasn't a fan of the the Batman vs Superman theatrical cut either. I liked the Ultimate Edition, but still had problems with characterizations and things like that. I wasn't expecting much out of this, and I was in I was uh, enraptured by this movie. It was it wow. was it was uh, you know it's not one of the best movies I've ever seen or anything like that, but I thought it was a very good movie for the most part, and uh, even with its impossible length and to your point russell never it's not reasonable to expect the studio to, to release a four-hour motion picture however this is leagues better than the theatrical cut. <laughs> they're 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 let's hey, see what i did there uh it's even society's better than the theatrical cut <laughs> there it but is <laughs> the um the characterizations are better the overall storyline is better there the villain actually has a reason to exist the heroes have motivations the characters have journeys throughout the film, particularly a few that we'll talk about have very compelling journeys in this film. It feels like a course correction of, of sorts, but not the extreme course correction that the theatrical Justice League was, which felt like a complete 180 from the direction they had been moving in the franchise before that. And I got to be honest, Russell, I think this is a... This is as big an improvement on the theatrical, maybe even bigger than the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman was over that theatrical version. I think it's actually a more significant improvement. You know, I, you know, I'm going to say that that is absolutely fair. I think that even with the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman, that's still probably not the everything in the kitchen sink version that Zack Snyder <laughs> could have done. Oh. It's, um, <laughs> oh, no. which is probably scary for a lot of folks to think about. But uh, I, I will agree with you. I, I agree that this movie is uh, a vast improvement over the 2017 movie, which I consider to be a, an unwatchable train wreck on the same level as uh, Green Lantern from 2011. I think um, it's worse than Green Lantern. To be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely there. I, I think that any reasonable human being. Uh, if you watch the theatrical cut of Justice League and then you watch the theatrical cut of Batman v Superman, Batman v Superman is a better movie. It makes mm. more damn. It makes more damn sense, I think. Uh, but, um, but that Justice League movie in 2017 was just atrocious, and this feels like 
we're on the right track. There are still some real problems, I think, in this version of the movie. But it's, it's like we said at the top. Uh, a four-hour movie is just not going to hit theaters. That's unreasonable. But uh, but we'll, we'll get to that. It, it is leaps and bounds better than the 2017 version. But uh, next up, Stephen, uh, your thoughts. Did, did this improve or... Uh, and if so, by, by how much or not at all? I want to say that I was wildly disappointed in this film because I went into it hoping for a complete and total train wreck. And that's <laughs> the furthest thing from what I got. Nice job. It was, uh, I was fully invested in the film by the time, like, the, by, by the time the first hour went by. I was never once bored. Uh, I really loved what he did with some of the characters, bringing them fuller into focus. And I thought that it was an amazing uh, turnaround from what the 2017 film was. That is absolutely uh, great points all all the way around. Uh, It's certainly not boring. That is something I... Even though for the most of the movie, I never felt the length of it. Uh, there were only a couple of times where I started to say, okay, we need to, we need to move this along now. I'm starting to get a little like, antsy with I, this scene. But I, I did not watch the whole thing in one sitting. I, I broke it up over, I think, four, four sessions over the course of a day. But that wasn't because I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. It was just, you know, I have... I, you have responsibility. I have a life. It's four hours. Yeah. It's four hours yeah. of my time. Who who can do that anymore? No. Um, even in quarantine, I've got stuff to do. But I, I I was I never thought to myself, oh, I got to get back to this so I can finish it. No, I, yeah. I I looked forward to it. I wanted to see where the the next story beat because everything, almost everything, flowed yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really did. Like it, it was a uh, a well paced four hour epic, and and I agree. It was it was never boring. It was odd at times, but never yes. boring. Uh, so uh, I think the uh, of course my co host here, Todd, just finished watching the movie today, so he's got uh, probably the freshest eyes uh, on the movie. So uh, Todd, your your overall thoughts: improvement, just as bad, worse. Where yet? Zack Snyder's Justice League is a better movie than Joss Whedon. Well, or just 2017's Justice League that was re- re- um, it was in theaters and we blinked and we missed it. It was uh, very, very forgettable and mediocre. I won't say it was bad. I won't say it was very bad. I'm, okay, it was bad. Um, but this movie at times was quite excellent and. There are some issues I have with it. Some of the issues are very conceptual uh, that I have with the film and and not necessarily character development, but just not knowing who the actual characters are, meaning the director doesn't doesn't really uh, honor the legacy of these characters for some of them. Some of them uh, he, he actually nails or his reinventions are, are pretty good. But overall, absolutely, this is a better film. This is a much more watchable film. However, I did fall asleep uh, towards <laughs> the end when uh, Superman 
came back and they were assaulting Steppenwolf in Russia. So I did, I was just tired at that point, I think, just a little overwhelmed. I have an older brain than any of you. It's, it just has, happens. I'm just in my comfortable chair. I had had no alcohol. I'd just been what? watching. I know, I know. I'm, I haven't started drinking today at all. Uh, but this particular film, I was, I was pretty much there for most of it. But, you know, I go to the symphony. I fall asleep. I, I get comfortable. My body just says, you're safe now. And and gears up for the day ahead. Um, so I'll, I'll have to rewatch about a couple minutes. My my oldest son said, "Dad, Dad, you've got to watch this for your podcast." So he woke me up <laughs> physically. It was pretty great. Good man. You know what? Good kid. Good. Yeah, he good is. He, he is a good good young man. Um, it's a shame that the Joker mur- murdered him. Uh, so we will. <laughs> it was, yes, that, that's the next episode, folks. For those that uh, spoiler uh, alert, yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. The next episode is a DC for you about. The tragic death of Todd's son at the hands of the Joker. And we will so. talk about premonitions and foreshadowing and time travel in the course of this. But my issues with it, I mean, besides some of the things that could, I guess we'll talk about here going on. But uh, overall, yes, certainly an improvement. Yeah. Uh, although I am not as hard on the 2017 film as many are. I, I just feel that that shouldn't have been released. It should have just been indefinitely postponed. Uh, I would agree with that, and it, it does make me wonder how audiences and critics would have responded if they had never seen that 2017 theatrical cut that we got, if they had just gotten, say, something along these lines from the jump. Would it have been as uh, as well-received as this one has? Because, I mean, this is the highest Rotten Tomatoes score that is that. Zack Snyder has gotten for a DC film. It's currently sitting at 73%, which is... Uh, it's in that in that fresh range, which is uh, more than you can say for uh, Batman v Superman or even Man of Steel. So I think the existence of the 2017 version props this one up much higher, because as, think- as as much as four years ago was like a life two lifetimes ago at this point, uh, as far as pop, popular culture goes, it's still right there in, in the consciousness, and you could the just the comparison is. It's as as Bobby Heenan used to say, comparing ice cream to horse manure. Horse manure, <laughs> yes. It has it has indeed, uh, and it's been the, the 2017 film. If you guys have noticed, has actually been aired on television a lot lately. TNT has been uh, uh, putting that movie through the ringer, and so um, I think a lot of people have that movie fresh in their mind. I haven't watched it recently, but a lot of people have that movie fresh in their minds uh, when they watch this one and they see the differences, and it does. It stands out in starker contrast. Just a star-studded double feature with with cowboys versus aliens. (laughs) (laughs) Just the plot. Just the more of the details we got on Darkseid's actual plan or Steppenwolf's actual plan and how the mother boxes worked and the anti-life equation. All of that made so much more sense and was so much easier to follow. Even it might have been over-explained, but that I'll take that. Versus, you know, 2017's under-explaining of it. Yeah. Vagueness. By the way, have you guys ever actually solved an anti-life equation? I tried once and I died. Uh, well, I listened to happens. a podcast once that was comparable to an anti-life equation. <laughs> I, th- uh, I think not name a, names. That's, that's accurate. Now, uh, I think that, that's a good segue to our next uh, point of topic was uh, was four hours necessary to tell this story and 
uh, uh, you each get to pick two things that you'd like to that you could cut from this movie, and then two things that got added back that you would like to maybe have seen more of or just doubled down on. So, uh, uh, I guess I'll I'll kind of kick that off and say, no, four hours was by God not necessary to uh, to tell this story and to tell it well. And two things that I would definitely cut. Uh, you can call this low-hanging fruit if you will, but I would have cut uh, first everything Martian Manhunter that uh, that is in this movie and the nonsense that were these uh, Slavic Icelandic singers uh, serenading Aquaman away and that uh, very weird toothed girl sniffing Aquaman shirt in the process, which I was like... That definitely smells like tuna. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> tuna and whiskey—the <laughs> the combination, the the, uh, the nectar of the gods, if you will. Uh, it was. There's weird. There's Zack Snyder weird, and then there's Zack Snyder cringe, and that was full 100% Zack Snyder cringe. That, that was one of the more bizarre things. Uh, well, that that I've seen recently. My wife pointed out to me. It's, that just showed how they some of the people feel that he's a god in Iceland. It was weird. It was yes. musical and interesting, and but some of the people it was it was also creepy. So I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, that's that's one of those things that needed like one line of dialogue to explain, to explain yeah. what they were doing. Maybe even Bjork the, pulled even, out even at the, the last the... second. Bjork was supposed to do it. <laughs> they, they felt they had to keep the extras and. Even if the line was just Bruce Wayne looking around going, what the hell? And then they, that would have been funny, actually. Like a little beat of him looking around like, what the hell are you doing? You know, you know he needed Affleck to be the voice has, of the audience there. Ben Affleck has no problems giving, like, incredulous, like, what the, what, what the shit is this looks in everything he's ever done. And I don't know how he held it in. I, like, I, uh, that it was all wasn't the just like a natural, bro. what is this? You know what? And it's not the only lamentations of the women that I would have cut from this movie. Yeah. Uh, the, I, it didn't bother me too much the first time I heard the uh, the score, like the way the just the the ancient lamentations. Thank you. Are are being sung? I was uh, hoping someone would bring uh, up the score. If you have the captions on, podcast. it comes up almost every half hour. Yeah, it's it's like, what and then that? Uh, it, it's like. Why? Why is this happening? Why every time Wonder Woman goes into slow motion, this happens? Every time Wonder Woman appears, I'm like, she's got a perfectly great theme that Junkie XL wrote for BBS and for her solo movie. You could have just used that, and it, it wouldn't have been bad. In fact, it would have been a little more pumped up. But it's man, a WB every time, movie, it has weird uses of pop music. It really does, and I mean, I know that's not pop music, but even the you know the alternative song when Barry saves Iris and all the Ugh. some of it's either too on the nose or it's too obscure or somebody's like I'm we're, we're cool we're hip we're gonna do this CW does the same thing you know they insert these Warner Brothers artists into the, the movie but yeah uh, ancient lamentation song plays it's <laughs> killing it's lamentations of the women. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so strange because like they're going for this, I guess, Wagnerian sort of operatic feel, this this epic sense, but you don't need the same exact women wailing sound every single time. And it, it got so grating to me 
And I thought after a while, I was like, has anybody else noticed this? And I couldn't find anything online talking about it. And I was like, well, am I the only person that has noticed this horrible sound constantly? Oh, no, my friend. It was there from, from almost from the jump. And I was like, okay, this is, this is excessive. And this is more Zack Snyder self-indulgence. And if it oh, weren't for that, this, this movie would actually, I contend this movie would be great because that's, there is just, there's plenty in there to love, but there's stuff like that. That's just scattered throughout the movie that just, that drags it back down and reminds you that, yeah, this guy needs somebody to rein him in. Uh, uh, what what would you double down on, or do you want to save that? You, oh, you know, go through. I, all the I stuff would. Uh, I would have doubled down on uh, all of the uh, like more Superman stuff because I felt like just as the as Superman comes back, that's when the movie really takes off. Uh, it like it had been good up to that point, but it really gets going right about there uh, and. The other big thing that I would have liked to have seen more of that they put into this movie was more Martha and Lois together. Because them talking about Clark, them just like experiencing life outside of Clark being alive, just like just living their lives now was honestly some of the uh, the most heartfelt moments of the movie. And I felt that that was what this movie really needed. And we got like, you know, we already got like all of the cyborg stuff added back into the movie, which was fantastic. Uh, it was like, why was, why was all of this cut? I understand like removing some things just for sake of time. Like you could have cut down on that scene where he, you could have cut that scene of him, like putting all that money into that woman's bank account, uh, which honestly would have caused her more problems than it would have solved because the bank would have been like, uh, you don't have that much money. You're going to give it back. And she'd have been like, oh, shit, I, I don't have money for a lawyer anymore. <laughs> uh, so Cyborg causing more problems than he solved. But that's 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 probably what I would have doubled down on is just like more more Martha, more Lois, and more Superman because – Superman has all of maybe like five lines in this whole movie. <laughs> and once he's alive again, there's still over an hour of movie left. I'm like, we, we could have put a little bit more of him in there uh, doing something. I don't know, just being Superman again. But if this movie makes the case for anything, it makes the case that we should have gotten a Man of Steel 2 somewhere between Man of Steel and BVS. Yeah, it, it would have been a very nice thing to have a Superman movie where he got to be Superman. Because it, it feels like, and here we go, controversial opinion, uh, he doesn't really become Superman to me in this canon until he's resurrected. He did, I yeah. agree. I agree. You know? But you shouldn't need three movies to get him to be Superman. No, you shouldn't. You should, like, build Richard him up. Richard Donner did it in 90 minutes. Uh, you should just get him there. Like, if you want to take that whole movie, like, take the and steel approach fine but in the sequel like there should be a true sequel where it's like we're here he's superman he's he's got this um i have a theory but, about uh not to be not to be the Zack snyder uh, defense police here but i do have a theory about that that it wasn't exactly Zack snyder's call not to do a man of steel 2 i have a feeling that that was warner brothers like yeah it's, trying it's, to Trying Maybe, to use yes. the Batman the Batman cheat code to increase yeah. sales and uh, and it backfired. Well, I and you remember that Easter egg well, from I Am Legend like 15 years ago? 
that she yeah. had Batman versus Superman. Like, oh, we've called our shot. We've got to, we've got to do this. Mm-hmm. They've been trying for years. Using the Batman cheat code is fine, but there was no reason to, you know, just kill Superman off in in Batman versus Superman. Then, like, you know, you want to build a universe, don't don't destroy one of the pillars. Yeah, that's right. Like, you know, give us a reason to care about that pillar and believe that the world right. cares. Because the, the the ultimate this is getting a little bit off topic. The ultimate fundamental, I think storytelling flaw of the Zack Snyder uh, I guess you would call it a trilogy at this point mm-hmm. is that the part that, that that still breaks it for it as a story to me is I, I still don't buy the middle chapter of the trilogy because I don't buy that the world cares that much about Superman because we haven't seen it he literally becomes Superman at the end of Man of Steel and we don't get to see him being this heroic figure for the world that goes around and, and saves people and, and helps the world become a better place to, to the point where it would completely fall into despair when he's killed. Um, that hurts that's, it. Yeah, that that is precisely it. That's the whole problem is WB said, what are our most popular selling Superman and Batman comics? Oh, Death of Superman and The Dark Knight Returns. Let's slap both of those movies. Let's slap both of those stories together into a single movie and we'll make Big Bank. But they completely neglect the the fact that the reason those stories are so popular is because they had like 50 and 60 years worth of comic stories and build up behind them to make people care about what was happening here. That's, that's something that I'm not asking for 50 or 60 years worth of movies before you get to that or anything, but you know, people cared about the death of Tony Stark in Avengers Endgame because we had spent so many movies with him actually like seeing him rise, fall and like be a hero and be somebody that we genuinely cared about. So that death is an emotional Yeah, it's like it's an emotional gut punch whenever it happens. And when you've got precisely one movie under your belt before you're like, "Oh, well, we're just going to kill off one of our main characters right to begin with a character who, by the way, had most of his story cut out of the theatrical cut of the movie. You kill him in it's how are people supposed to care? Right. I mean, that, that goes back to the, you know, problems with conception, but so, so are we really evaluating the trilogy or the existing DC Snyderverse, or are we just looking at this movie doing the best it could with what it had? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes to all of I mean I, I am too I mean, I'm going to be looking at those uh, but yeah those, those are the things that I would cut uh, I would say that no four hours is not necessary you could have cut more of this movie you could cut this movie down to I think uh, about three hours and 15 minutes uh, and you would have plenty of room there to, to tell a really excellent I think it would take it from being a very good uh, enjoyable experience to being a damn near great one that would have basically proven Zack Snyder right. He could have like just fully mic dropped uh, in the version of the movie that I have in my head. But uh, but nobody's asking for the seller's cut. They asked for the Snyder cut. So there you are. Uh, so uh, Todd, four hours necessary? Not- no. <laughs> what, what, what's something Three hours cut? and 20 minutes, maybe. Maybe. I think just with some better economy of script with some of the things 
Um, I feel, but I also don't feel like there was anything left unexplained. If anything, like I said earlier, over-explained. Uh, we, we could have lost Wonder Woman can't make tea for shit. We could have lost that. Yeah. That, that, that was, you know, and there are a couple other scenes too. They're just totally extraneous, but we get to see them living their lives. Um, I feel like we could have lost some of the slow motion stuff, perhaps. Twenty-four is, is... minutes of this movie are in slow mo. <laughs> Good God! I had I had another thing I wanted to cut, but those I think those are the the ones that really got. We could we could have had Amber Heard speaking in the same accent dialect that she did in Aquaman, and not <laughs> yes. British. Yeah, that I, was interesting too. I would have thought that Zach would have, you know, maybe seen James Wan's Aquaman and been like, "Oh, good! Oh. You figured out how to make them talk underwater. How do you apply that to film? Oh, yeah, I can totally water, do that. I don't have to have them literally clicking at each other like dolphins. That is a thing in this movie. And I saw people talking online like they thought that was brilliant. I'm like, no, that was really stupid. <laughs> I guess the, the thing I really um, wish were truly excised from it, and, and I think it would have taken my overall rating of the film higher, was all the nightmare stuff at the end. I yeah. hate that nightmare concept so much. It's so much like a playoff of Injustice to me. Uh, just but done dark poorly. Side. Yeah, and just what? To sell action figures of Batman in a trench coat? I um, guess. And it went forever and ever, and Joker... Oh my goodness! He made him uh, even worse. Yes. Go ahead, Greg. Greg, no, 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 I got more. Yeah. This is not a podcast where everybody agrees. This is we we're no. gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna. Oh no! In this case, this, this case, I very much agree. Okay. Good. 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 But uh, yeah, he's even yeah, worse than I he don't is. think anybody's. I don't think anybody's gonna be contrarian on the nightmare scene at this point. I can't believe. They're just that that they're going there, or I'm sorry, they're going there. Zack Snyder was hypothetically going there in the sequels. You know, it's <laughs> Lois gets accidentally killed, just like an in injustice, um, and Superman goes bad, just like an in injustice, which many more people play than we would think. A lot of people played that game. Not as many read the. I mean, more more people played the game than read the comics. So that might be the most recent vital Superman that they had been access to. I even um, played the game and I suck at it, but I played it. I'm terrible at it too. I but I'm always Aquaman because I like when the whale. Me comes too. Character <laughs> <laughs> on there, I think. So uh, yeah, the nightmare stuff. Get get rid of it, and that's it. Was also almost ten minutes. So. Yeah, that's a, an easy way to trim a good little chunk of movie out that you really wouldn't miss at all. Uh, so. Uh, see. See, Stephen, jump in. Talking about talking about. Places, ways to cut the film. I would have gone the other way. Oh, I a five-hour cut. No, well, <laughs> first of all, let's not kid ourselves. A five a five-hour cut and a six-hour cut exists somewhere, probably on Zach Zack Snyder's computer. We we know this to be true. But I watched the thing, and I was actually a little disappointed that they didn't um, stick with that idea of making this a miniseries. And breaking it down because you could have taken that format and given maybe an extra episode to more of Darkseid and Steppenwolf and their history and maybe explained 
what exactly it was that Steppenwolf did to get into uh, Darkseid's doghouse. I lost your ideas so... and would like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> you could have taken maybe a little bit more of the uh, battle with the age of the, the 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 age of heroes, the 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 armies of man coming together, and you could have expanded on that. And we could have seen nope. more cool fighting, I'm... and you know, like yes, four hours is an interminably long time for one picture, but this was very clearly done in such a way that it could have been broken down into a miniseries and I think it would have been even better I think the story would have been so much so much better because you could have given a little bit more time to certain parts of it that needed a little bit more explanation and it wouldn't have felt like you are taking too much time to get through one one whole thing when you have a whole series that you could just watch one at a time and I'm so glad that you brought up uh, the Steppenwolf stuff and like with Darkseid and everything, because if there's one part of this movie that uh, that really starts to drag for me, and I'm going to do a this is a rare moment where I'm going to actually say that uh, Joss Whedon called it right. That was in the uh, the history lesson that Wonder Woman gives, uh, and as much as I dislike that Wonder Woman basically just becomes an expository character in this movie. Uh, when she's giving that history lesson and you see dark side come to earth in this take and Zack Snyder's version, it ultimately winds up with the heroes of earth, including Ares, uh, full on ax chopping dark side down. And whenever that happens and dark side, just like, straight up leaves he's like nope he's just like pieces out of this whole situation i was left feeling like so dark side is not the badass the uh, the the ultimate destroyer that he was made out to be and here was an opportunity for you to have said well do what joss whedon did put steppenwolf in that place instead and it makes more sense why Darkseid would have been pissed with him because it would have been like, oh, he tried to conquer this planet on his own, took three mother boxes down there, lost them, uh, and got axe chopped for his troubles. And you know, it would make sense that he would come back to Earth and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make up for where I went wrong and get back into uh, Darkseid's good graces. So I just don't get why Zack Snyder was so determined to have a young Darkseid uh, come down to Earth get punked out and uh, then try to sell him to us as the ultimate big bad of his DC universe. When I just saw him get like uh, basically uh, like shish kebobbed by uh, lesser heroes than the ones that he's going to be facing in the justice league. Yeah. Well, and Russell, I think this is where it could have used just a little bit more explanation where this wasn't the dark side that we know. This was, this was, he doesn't, he didn't use the, uh, uh, yeah, I noticed he did not use the Omega beams, uh, in the old, in this, or at least as far as I recall, he didn't use the Omega beams in that sequence. So it makes me think that this was the pre, the pre, uh, ascended dark side. So this was dark side before he took the throne of apocalypse. Right. Could have fixed it with a line or two of dialogue, but you know. Uh, we got to see shirtless dark side. So there we go. That was hot. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually does speak to a larger problem that uh, that these DC movies have had that the Marvel movies have not. It's that 
the Marvel movies were made to try and get people to become fans of their characters by meeting the audience where they were. These movies, especially and especially this movie, felt like it was made by somebody who has a deep knowledge and love of DC Comics lore. But when you present that to people who have next to no knowledge of it, they're just going to look at you confused. But Russell, does Zack Snyder really have a deep love for DC Comics and DC lore? Because that's not Barry Allen. I that's think really not Bruce Wayne. Yeah, his his love of it, I think, does exist. I think it's just he views it differently than what, like, say, what you or I do. Because when you listen to Zack Snyder talk about these characters, he always frames them as like gods, so far above uh, regular people. So most of the time, his characterizations don't necessarily feel like regular people, or even or our interpretations of them, especially not in the modern era. And that is why I think there is such a large disconnect uh, because he keeps trying to frame them that way. He keeps trying to say, well, these are gods among men. I'm like, no, people want to be able to relate to these characters. And whenever you frame them that way, you've basically placed them on such a high pedestal that now it's impossible for people to relate to them. And also Zack Snyder doesn't understand humor. So his take on Barry Allen is not funny. Who Uh, is, uh, who is Zack Snyder's favorite author? uh, Ayn Rand. Yep. Very clearly. It is very clearly the, uh, uh, you know, and even his comments about not making the fountainhead now, uh, I was like, well, good, don't. (laughs) But, you know, that's, yeah, you can, you can tell where his head is at when it comes to how he views uh, these characters. And maybe this is not, this is not the universe that these characters need right now. Uh, And it's, I think it's probably best that everybody involved here just, you know, says, okay, we did this. We're going to move on now. We're going to try to make these characters a little more palatable. And, you know, that's already kind of started, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. But um, Greg, jump in here. Two things that you uh, cut, two things that you double down on. Okay. Um, I would, uh, I would cut the nightmare sequences. Uh, all of the, all of the, the stuff, the only part that I might keep is a part of cyborg's vision just to show that it's not going to happen, that it was disproven. Uh, Yes. uh, That's what I would have uh, liked to have seen. No, no nightmare. And so pretty much. And um, the other thing that I would eliminate, um, this is not for time reasons, but merely for the betterment of humanity. I would eliminate Jesse Eisenberg and Jared Leto from the uh, entire film itself, never to be seen again. I would, even if it meant, even if it meant Joe Manganiello's Deathstroke is addressing an empty chair, I would have removed Jesse Eisenberg, <laughs> loaded him into a like, cannon. Like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yes, it would have been the Eastwood sequence. And, and I would have loaded Eisenberg into a cannon and fired him into the sun. And then Leto, I would have fired in right behind him, hopefully, so that they collide together and both ignited the sun. Not the individual human beings, of course, merely their performances of these characters. Um, because they were that bad. They, were, they managed to take the two most iconic villains, in my opinion, in all of comics, and render the worst versions of each of them that I've ever seen. And, and uh, interesting, but the the writing of the characters and the way they they the, everything about them, everything about it. Well, it, it is the writing. The writing was bad for these characters as well. The writing was much worse for Joker than it was for Lex, I think. The but the <laughs> the the sort of like 
auteur approach, the let me add some interesting character ticks to the Joker. Like, for instance, uh, you know, Heath Ledger, of course, had the little uh, the, the thing in the corner of his mouth that he the scars in the corner of his mouth that he kept licking, which was an interesting character tick. Jared Leto takes that to the most he, the way I put it is it's like a guy pretending to play somebody playing the Joker. Um, and with Eisenberg, it's, I don't, I don't know what the, I, I, I have, I've had two movies now of him. I have no idea what he was going for at all. I don't know if this is supposed to be kitsch. I don't know if this is supposed to be a satire of Lex Luthor. I don't know what this is supposed to be, but nonetheless, I would lose that. And as far as doubling down on, uh, there was a lot. I would have, I wanted to see more dark side. First of all, I thought dark side was absolutely awesome in this movie. And I wanted to see more of Apocalypse. I could have done mm-hmm. with the scene of Desaad kissing Darkseid's ass a little bit more because, you know, he's the ultimate sycophant character in in uh, in DC. And uh, I wanted to I wanted to see that. I wanted to see a little bit more of the sort of apocalyptian history. That would have been cool. And I also would have liked to Russell. Russell's already hit Superman. Obviously, those scenes were very good, and Martha and Lois very good. I also could have done maybe with just a little bit more of Aquaman, although I thought he had a really good arc in this movie, uh, because I thought everybody that, you know, the scene with him and uh, Volko was very good, and I thought that uh, Momoa is just really uh, charismatic in that in that portrayal always, and has a nice little character moment in there where he shows some empathy near the end of the movie. I could have stood to see a little bit more of Aquaman. But yeah, I think primarily Dark Side and Steppenwolf, I wanted to see more, which I never thought I would say after the theatrical cut. I wanted to see more of Dark Side and Steppenwolf and the entire apocalyptian politics that were at play there. Uh, all of that, yeah. Uh, more more from Apocalypse and uh, more of uh, basically everything to do with all of this stuff that could have set up new gods, honestly, because Ava DuVernay is supposedly still doing that new gods movie. And, uh, I would love to have seen this take on dark side and this take on like Dasad and Steppenwolf like played on just a, a little bit more. Let us see what, uh, their history is there. There would have been room for that. Had you cut, you know, certain, um, uh, scenes with hot dogs flying at people's faces, <laughs> uh, unnecessarily. Oh, and give me give me a a, a a Snyderverse version of Calabac too. Yes, uh, that that would have been absolutely Poor, fantastic. lonely Calabac. <laughs> uh, now, Stephen, uh, four hours necessary or no? And uh, two things you'd add, two things you'd uh, you'd cut. I think we've basically. Uh, I think everybody's already mentioned a, a few of the things that I would do, like. Um, I think that the the introduction of Barry Allen went on a little bit too long. Yes, would have trimmed about five minutes off of that. Mostly his very creepy slow mo touching of her face while she's uh, surrounded by hot dogs flying out of her car. Given all of the accusations. (laughs) Uh, Why does she have that many hot dogs? <laughs> no, the hot, hot dog cart. That was from the hot out. dog truck that 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 hit her. Gardner still, Fox. That's right. Farms truck took it out. Yeah, I, 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 I hated Ezra Miller's Flash in the 2017 version, and 
this movie made him marginal, marginally, marginally better and better, just yeah, a yeah. little bit more palatable. He still but, just can't find any friends. But that scene was just like, now we know why. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> as much as we talk, you know, as much That's as true. we just like shit all over him and his uh, obsession with uh, explaining what brunch is in the 2017 cut. I would dare say that his going on about his resume was as terrible or worse than that uh, in this cut. So it was like, no, nobody can make this work. Nobody can make this dude funny. To show you the dichotomy here, Grant Gustin is on a show that is occasionally not very good, but he carries the show by how utterly likable he is, no matter what the script calls for. On the reverse end, Ezra Miller is in a movie that's, for the most part, I think very good, and he is so utterly unlikable <laughs> that, it, that it drags his scene. I do agree that he's a little bit better in this than he was in the theatrical, but he's just not Barry Allen. He's not. He doesn't make me no, want to not. root for him. He doesn't make me want to uh, b- believe that he is the, the this character. I don't know what character he is. He's probably closer to Peter Parker than he is to Barry Allen. Uh, in yeah. terms of just being very neurotic and and unsure of himself, and uh, you know, it's that's just not who he is. I watched The Flash on uh, Tuesday nights, and that is a character that I want to root for. That is a character that I believe in. This one, it just doesn't measure up. And, and it's also, conceptual. It's because Zack Snyder has never read a Flash comic book. Uh, I think that's possibly true, and uh, I, I will say this is only the. Two of maybe three things that I'm going to say that uh, Joss Whedon did better. Barry Allen's uh, introductory scene in the 2017 version, whenever he doesn't really say anything, he's just going to have this encounter with a uh, this tough guy at a prison. And he very quickly, like, it's a blink and you'll miss it kind of like motion with his hand. And he's drawn all over the dude's face. Uh, I thought that was a better introductory scene because he doesn't really try to like, get quippy or one-linery. He just does that and says, oh, well, okay, you're right. I'll, I'll just move on now. And this this whole hot dogs, uh, dog walker, look, I carry meat snacks thing is just, nope. I understand why that was left on the cutting room floor. And all those people who were just harping on and on about getting that scene and getting Kersey uh, 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 Clemens' uh, into the movie. Right. Oh, she added so, so much. Yeah, it's like she had no line. Was, like, okay. And you wouldn't even know she was Iris West unless you I was like, about to ask the credits. Like, they don't they didn't they, even name her in the movie. So no, you don't know who she well, is. What is the point? Well, well, there was no importance to throwing her in there it, in that was, way. Other than to, to set show up potential. Yeah, yeah. Potential movie it, down the it was just it was much ado about nothing. And then uh it's like, okay, well, Joss Whedon cut this down. And you still get the same scene between uh, Barry and Henry Allen. It's it, The rest of it plays out exactly the same way. So yet again, there's more uh, throwaway stuff that you know you could have left on the cutting room floor. And it was the first time around, rightly so. He uh, runs stupid, too. Way he still does. He runs stupid. Although I will Wait. say this version of it cut down that and allowed him to be like more like you can't see him as he's moving because uh, one of the scenes I absolutely loved was when he's gotten all the people out of the tunnel and all those rocks are falling down and then he goes into like 
hyperspeed to, uh, yeah. to move all the rocks away. I was like, okay, that was a really cool rendition of the Speed Force. And he, he does get one of my one of the best parts of the movie to me, which is that uh, everybody. One of the many good things I'll say about this movie is every character really gets a chance to shine at some point or another, and he gets that one near the end where he has to run back and reverse time a little bit. And I actually that thought was, yeah. that was a that was an effective scene. I thought. Yeah, that they was just went like, to that well twice, though. You know, I mean, they, they set it up and then they do it again, and I felt like, why, why? See, I, why I think the reason they did that is because they were like, I think that they did the first time to set up that that's how this works, basically, so that when he does it later, you have a better idea of exactly what he's doing. Yeah, because he pushes himself further that second time, and yeah, while he really he kind of like bent the rule. That first time he does it, he fully breaks the rule the next time by fully reversing time uh, to the point of undoing like massive amounts of death. And I think that that was also to set up uh, ultimately the uh, what would Flashpoint. be the, the Flashpoint movie. So I think that still will probably happen. And you could even say this gives uh, viewers of that movie better context if they watch this. Like. Uh, Depending on where they they go with that movie, of course. But I just wonder why he didn't run around the world backwards to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's been Richard established. Di- that weird well, time Iris didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> the, well, Good point. Wait, wait till if she died in that uh, that truck, I guarantee you that we would have had Flashpoint start right then. Two uh, things. I really loved how he um, ran out of his shoes, or his shoes burned up when he ran out. You know, that was cool. Mm-hmm. When he explained yeah. his suit, made you know Bruce Wayne explaining his suit and the the materials. Uh, and I forget. I think I forget the other thing. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I was I mean, so excited about getting the shoes in. Uh, and the uh, yeah, the breaking of the glass with the finger thing, I thought was. I mean, it looks neat, but uh, there again, more like unnecessary uh, property oh. destruction that Zack Snyder loves so much. <laughs> should be eating the whole movie he's only eating in the one scene he explains he needs to eat and he only eats then that's it uh he does it a little bit later but it's not really much of a thing uh and it's all it's almost to the point where you don't even notice him doing it he's uh when he's talking with aquaman uh near like before they go off to do the whole final battle thing uh he's in there snacking on something but you're right it's not i might have been asleep at that part Probably they should have. They should have gone to the uh, the old uh, Jeff Johns comic well and had the Flash eating seafood, getting nervous about eating seafood in front of Aquaman. <laughs> that see, that would have been a funny joke. It's right there. Like these jokes practically. That, that's why. Themselves. That's why the joke wasn't in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it would have been funny. Um, now, one thing that uh, we're we're speaking of on uh, pretentiousness in this movie, and it does exist. Right from the jump. We could definitely do a four-hour cut on talking about pretentiousness in this movie. Uh, But the the big one is right at the front of the movie before it even starts that this movie is presented in the 4 by 3 IMAX aspect ratio to preserve Zack Snyder's vision. Was that necessary? Thoughts on that? It it is – as somebody who uses uh, sarcasm in the same way that he uses air – it is very difficult to convey sarcasm in the written form. It is nearly impossible to get the, it, the you, you need so much inflection and tone. And somehow, whoever put that short, very brief scene um, at the beginning of the film, 
it was dripping with sarcasm. I could just see somebody <laughs> typing that out onto a screen, doing a little jerk off motion with his hands, like, yeah, okay, Zack Snyder's vision, and, and putting it on there. That that I I had to pause the movie right at the start to get over my fit of laughter. Well, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but Justice is gray. Are you familiar <laughs> with what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, boy. the yeah that that business. Uh, you know what? At this point, it, it almost feels like Zack Snyder's is fucking with him. Like he's like, "Oh, you put my movie out? Put out the uh, the ball." I took all the color out of it. They they say I didn't put color in my movies. I'll show you. <laughs> that, is kind of, exactly. that is kind of funny, actually. <laughs> and it's like, dear God. <laughs> I am in point, favor of I'm in favor of anyone that fucks with Warner Brothers pictures at this point. So good for you, Zack Snyder. He's like, I'll show you. I'll desaturate this movie so far. You'll think you're in the 19 fucking 30s. If, if yeah. I had watched the movie in one sitting, I mean, I, I would have died, but the yep. the four four by three wouldn't have bothered me. But taking a break and coming back and having to reacquaint it was was tough. It, it's weird uh, seeing, you know, my widescreen TV having the black bars on the sides like I'm watching something from 1982. Mm-hmm. But uh, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, what? It, honestly, it didn't bother me after a while of watching the movie because the movie was legitimately fine and good. And it. uh it kept me engaged. So once I'm in that, I don't really notice, uh, or I don't really notice the aspect ratio all that much. Uh, but I think say, it's- 45 minutes or so of the movie that I watched on my iPad made the four, three ratio look that much better because it fit the iPad screen perfectly. Yep. So like, you know, maybe it'll look great if this ever gets in IMAX, but condensed down onto the small screen of my iPad. It was, it was perfect. And this is, I think Zach was uh, overly optimistic. If he thinks this movie's ever going to be played in an IMAX theater uh, for a mass audience, because no, I, w- no, I would not. 100% pay for an IMAX viewing of this though. I, I gotta say, but, I, but I don't think they're going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I just don't see right. it ever happening. I, I thought uh, it, it the, I, the ratio didn't bother me at all. I mean, I, I didn't even notice it after the, the first scene. I noticed it as we're getting to the very beginning, kind of flashback stuff or whatever they're doing from BVS, uh, which I equate to the beginning of Rocky movies in the 80s. But uh, it was like it didn't bother me at all. I, I, I was absorbed. And part of that is because I watch a lot of old wrestling on the WWE Network, which is presented in that uh, with, with you know bars on the side and everything. So yeah. – uh, it doesn't. Uh, it, I just didn't notice it. It didn't. It, I had no no issues with it personally. I mean, it was it was fine. Yeah, it it, it works. Uh, I mean, if Zach wanted to present it, that it's it's fine for what it is. But I didn't think it was. I didn't feel like it was necessary for him to put it like that. You could have just kept this in widescreen. I feel like you you're getting the same experience either way. But, uh, but I think one of the the things that we've all kind of touched on as we've been talking about this is. Uh, the different characters getting moments to shine. And uh, Greg, I wish I would have played off of your segue there. Uh, I, which characters really benefited the most from this new cut? And several of them do. I think pretty much everybody does benefit from the extended cut in one way or another. But for me, uh, I think the answer is obvious. I think it's uh, I think it's Cyborg. I think that he is the character that gets 
all of his backstory added back in and now you actually start to care about this character and what's happening to him uh throughout the whole movie and man his emotional arc really is the heart of the movie as Zack Snyder had been saying all along that Cyborg was the heart of Justice League and man I I didn't really care much about seeing a Cyborg solo movie after the 2017 version I was like "Eh, it is what it is but after seeing this i I very much became more of a believer in uh, in this version of the character. What say you guys? I wonder if the reason that they cut out most of the cyborg stuff was so that it would be something that they could include into a cyborg feature. Because I think that they took all uh, the, the best parts of his origin, they put it on here, and I really think that you know, where do you go from there for this character? That's um, a good point. So, you know, I understand why Ray Fisher was annoyed that he lost a good chunk of the spotlight that Zack Snyder showed shown on him when the the 2017 cut came out. But it, having taken that out could have moved into his into his own feature when it was planned and it could have made for a very good origin film for him and you don't have that anymore because it's it's in the Snyder cut and uh, to that point the Warner Brothers planning to do a movie is right. not, not exactly <laughs> a guarantee oh, signed, yeah. signed Green Lantern fans yeah, like so, I I get Ray Fisher's frustration even more knowing that oh, you planned a cyborg movie, did you? Yeah, uh, let's let's ask him about uh, that Green Lantern Corps movie. Is that still a thing? Uh, how about uh, any number of other films that were supposedly going to happen? That Batgirl movie, that's still going to happen? No, no, it's not. Um, what was that Green Arrow in prison movie? They ended up. They ended up finally. They, yeah, they turned that the, into a season as of as Arrow. A, as a right? Season for uh, first half of the season for Arrow. And it was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was one was of my like, favorite stretches of episodes. But, um, but they know. Yeah, that was supposed to be made in like 2007 or something. Um, yeah, no, but I oh, with regards to Cyborg, with regards to Cyborg, I thought uh, I thought he was great, and I totally totally agree with you, Russell. He he added a lot to this movie. And I have been a person that I've never really bought Cyborg as a member of the Justice League. Like, even even though I'm a huge Jeff Johns fan, he just always felt like sort of forcing a square peg yeah, in a round hole. This is the first time I've ever bought him in that role. So I have to give Zack Snyder credit for that because I've this is the first time I ever viewed Cyborg as a Justice Leaguer, a true Justice Leaguer, where I was like, okay – this guy deserves to stand among all these other heroes. And I think it's because they delved so much into the emotional core of his backstory. Whereas a lot of times in the comics nowadays, they try to sort of skip that part and kind of, you know, get you to care about him out of the gate because they assume you grew up reading new Teen Titans. Well, for those of us that didn't, you got to give us something to hook into the character. And that's what they did really, really well in this movie. Uh, and, and I got to give Ray Fisher a lot of credit. Uh, you know, he's he's had his issues certainly, but uh, it's hard not to understand why he's upset because he, he was one of the best parts of this movie. Uh, exactly, uh, Todd. Your thoughts on uh, on which character benefited most from this new cut and how? 
Uh, well, you guys covered Cyborg pretty well, and I think that is true. I loved seeing how his powers worked and just the breadth of his character and deeper insight into the relationship with his father. Excellent, excellently played by Joe Morton, um, who, who my Miles wife and I watched. Bennett Dyson. <laughs> yes, yes, Terminator 2. But uh, he's, he's a great actor. He was in Scandal, and it was one of the big... Uh, Big reasons to watch that show, which is yes, a, a, he's a great. Very, on Scandal. If, it's a yeah. great couple show. If you ever get a chance as a couple to watch Scandal, it's a good show. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think Victor and Steppenwolf maybe have benefited the most, um, not just in his motivations and the way his uh, plot moved forward, but the way he looked. They had more time to work on those effects. It was a dramatic improvement. It was not a net negative like it was before. It definitely added to the film. It was a compelling villain. And we saw, you know, it sucked before, and it was just good now. So those are the two, two I think, that benefited the most. I could think of some other things, but uh, th- those are the ones that I I feel did better in this version. There, I can think of some other things, too. Commissioner Gordon. There are things that, that we got to see that we didn't see in the original Um get their shine everybody got their stuff in right what is the opposite of having a zest for life because that's commissioner gordon and that's the way i like my commissioner gordon <laughs> jim gordon who who has no zest for life you've been yeah. you've been beat down beat end up like a dog that's been beat too much till you spend half your life just covering up nice. <laughs> oh man todd with the classic references uh i i'm fully in agreement there uh actually all that stuff with J.K. Simmons and uh, don't hate me for this, Greg, but that last scene with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Death uh, Deathstroke actually really made me want that Ben Affleck Batman movie. We're never gonna get. No. Uh, I oh me I, oh me too me me too. No. Not because of anything Eisenberg did, but Deathstroke was awesome. I thought yeah. there that's the one character that WB seemingly can't get wrong right now. Yeah, there's never been a bad version of Deathstroke. And, they, and on screen, they keep just nailing it. it it's absolutely one hundred percent on. I'm like, whatever version of Deathstroke they're giving me, it's working. And I really, really wanted that uh, that Affleck Batman movie after the whole. Uh, I thought the eye for an eye joke was funny, personally. Uh, well, and and I the idea of deathstroke and batman having some personal connection in the past it was an intriguing nugget to me because it's it's not a pairing you get you get them against each other in the comics but it's not a pairing that has been uh very well explored in the past um outside of that crappy son of batman animated movie yeah. um but uh yeah so that that was interesting that 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 would actually be uh, under the category for me of what did I want more of but didn't get and won't be getting. But uh, So, uh, Stephen, which character benefited most from this new cut and how for you? I mean, it was definitely Cyborg. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's un- unquestionable. Um, the, he just such a great uh, – he, he was the anchor for the film. Um, but – also, like, I think that um, I don't know that anybody else really got the got that kind of shine, other than the cyborg stuff. Like, you know, I was thinking about it in the in the beginning of the 2017 Justice League. What an opportunity for Wonder Woman to have the momentum, 
from her solo film and then three, four months later. But she was just kind of another person there. But of course, the movie was flawed. I felt like she had a little bit more uh, to do here and to be kind of the interest because for me, I, I'm, I am no Batfleck guy. I really am not. I struggle with both the, the I think the look is great when he is the uh, Frank Miller type Batman, but it just, it could be anybody. There's nothing there that made him feel like he was specially Batman to me in this film. You know, it could have been a green arrow. It could have been, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah. just don't get it. I just don't feel that that's Batman or any, or uh, congruous with any Batman we've seen since Adam West or something. You know, I, I don't disagree. We'll get, to, I'll get to that in a little bit. It, it's still hard not to, right? Well, it's still hard to like fully buy into uh, this Batman's motivations whenever he says, "I want to." You know, fulfill a promise I made on Superman's grave, and like you mean the grave you were trying to put him in in the last movie? Like that's it, it. It's still a little. It's still a little much. Like the whole Martha thing just still doesn't click for me. It's like the. Uh, it's like the, you know, some of the worst face turns in in wrestling. Like they 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 just don't make sense, and this one didn't make sense. Uh, I think the still, uh, the the the. The Batman of the Zack Snyder universe would have made much more sense if it was uh, Jeremy Irons playing him and Ben Affleck <laughs> playing Alfred. <laughs> you know what? Give me Jeremy Irons. You're I'm here. Not, I'm here for because it. Because I think I think Alfred gave up gave so much more of a Bruce Wayne Batman attitude throughout the film than Affleck was ever capable of. I did like uh, Alfred was uh, Alfred was tremendous in this movie. I thought. I did was. Like, and when uh, uh, Batman or when Bruce is like, uh, everyone, this is Alfred. I work for him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Alfred just kind of goes right along with it. Uh, but Aquaman is like, you know what? This is badass, Alfred. <laughs> you it reminded go. me a little bit as a, of, of, of the uh, the scene from The Dark Knight when, uh, when Bruce is about to turn himself in and he tells Alfred, I'm going to tell him the whole thing was your idea. Yes. <laughs> It's like they probably locked me up too as your accomplice. <laughs> uh, now, um, one other big thing for this movie that was made such a big deal of was the black suited Superman. Uh, because, as we all know, when Superman comes back from the dead in the comics, he's wearing a black suit with a silver oh. S shield, but he don't have a cape. Um, but in this movie, he does. Uh, and as we know from like uh, behind the scenes stuff, when Zack Snyder was shooting this movie uh he actually shot henry cavill in the classic red and blues and as it turns out they didn't just recolor the suit uh for the for zack snyder's justice league movie here they actually fully replaced the suit with a cgi black uh black and silver suit instead um which is a whole thing that they definitely spent way more money on than they had to uh but I, w I wanted to get you guys' opinion on that. Was that necessary? Was it really necessary for them to put him in that in that black suit, or would you have? Would, do you think it would have felt a little more Superman if he had been in the the classic red, blues, and yellows? Because uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I fall on the red, blue, and yellow. I, I would rather have seen him in that. I felt like the black suit was a negligible and just kind of. Why does why was that necessary to spend? It is on? it is another classic example of Zack Snyder missing the point. Yes, yep. and, and that's it, it. It's self indulgence in order to 
use something that he thought looked cool without actually understanding where it came from, why it was there, or what the the kind of damage that it does by replacing it. You know, the black the, the black and silver suit in the comics was just like a temporary thing meant to show that he was meant to help Superman come back from the state that he was in, the stasis or whatever it was that he when he was dead. When you when you're like, "Hey, you know what? I kind of like it." And and keeping it afterwards is just like I, I can't I I don't even know what is going through that dude's mind. This is the same guy who took a shot for shot like a panel to screen remake of Watchmen and managed to completely misunderstand what Alan Moore was saying. High five. And, go, and he did it again here using the black suit. It's just asinine. I'm going to split the difference on this one um, and say that there was a there was a a way that I would have been okay with. Because you're right, it is the in the comics the it was a what was it a Kryptonian regeneration suit yes. or some kind of thing. Yeah, solar so, harness yeah, more solar stuff. harness more solar power. So there was something they could have done with that had a resurrected Superman been missing his powers or something like that and had to regain them. Or even if you wanted to do the, the the black suit, if that just happens to be what what he comes back in, I would have been okay with that even. So long as the the one misstep on that for to me was the last shot we see of Superman when he opens the shirt up and he's right. still wearing the black suit. Yeah, and contrarily, and contrarily, right. that that should have been that should have been the classic suit when he opens the shirt up at the end. And contrarily, in the nightmare sequence, he's wearing the traditional suit. And it would have made more sense to me for him to be yep. wearing the black suit in the nightmare sequence and the not black suit in the uh, re regular sequences. But nonetheless, um, I, I think I was okay with it. I thought it was kind of a cool homage to the comics, even if it did not have any real purpose and it didn't really make any sense why he decided to pick a new costume. I don't think they really just they really explained that terribly what well. What a but cool, cool ship. You just walk by and it throws costumes at you. Yeah, Here, yeah. Well, try this right. one. Try this I did one. appreciate. I did appreciate hearing the soothing sounds of Russell Crowe's Jor-El again. Uh, he's a he's a always a welcome addition for me. But yeah, and it was. Get, and you get <clears throat> Kevin Costner in that saying, like you know, the things that we always wanted Kevin Costner to say yeah, in this series. He was like, he's saying all this stuff about you know, it's time, son, get out there and fly. And I'm like, you know should what? Never said. Yeah. Why Everything didn't he that say should that have been said in when he was alive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like, why didn't they, why, first of all, Zach, why'd you kill him off in the first place in one of the worst scenes in Superman movie history? And two, why didn't you have him say that stuff to his son while he was alive? Because that would have validated everything you were trying to do. Because apparently that, that means you know the character or you've seen previous incarnations and you can't bring your interpretations to yeah. it. It's like it's just mind-boggling because it was just like, oh, so you do understand that that's where Jonathan Kent was going to wind up. But you didn't give it to us in live action. You give it to us in a voiceover in a movie that the public at large is probably never going to actually see only your diehards are going to uh, see. Okay. That's <laughs> great. Oh, I think I, I heard I some of the to... other Jedi's talking to him then too. Um, Anakin. Yep. And... 
Ashoka. <laughs> I never got to uh, say the character I thought would uh, was it was uh, oh, helped the most, uh, yeah. which I, I was I was going to lend my vote to Steppenwolf. Actually, as, as great as Cyborg was, Steppenwolf went from not even being a character, in my opinion, just being a a generic CGI yes, a generic piece of CGI monstrosity to being a really compelling mm-hmm. villain. I was I was actually especially. They managed to get me in one scene to actually feel a glimmer of sympathy for for uh, Steppenwolf. He took me on a magic carpet ride of emotions as he sat there trying, well to, <laughs> trying to appeal to Desaad to let him speak to his master. And of course, Desaad, the the Paul Heyman to Darkseid's Roman Reigns, just <laughs> just uh, you know dismissing the very concept that anyone else could kiss as much Darkseid ass as he. Uh, that was a very powerful scene and a good scene, and it made me care about that villain. And it gave the uh, they gave me the satisfaction also when I went back around to hating him of the scene. Maybe the biggest like pop for me in the movie was when he goes to kill Cyborg and says for Darkseid, and Superman steps in front and goes not impressed. Yeah, that, that did it for me. That that that, that was a that was a pop for me. That, that was big pop. Uh, I would say that, man, one of the stupidest decisions that WB made was saying, uh, we need to redesign the look of this character because we think that Zax is just too scary or too, I, I don't know, like not lending itself to action figures or whatever. I'm like, bullshit. Uh, Steppenwolf looked awesome in Zack Snyder's version. That suit that he wore, that armor like constantly morphing around to uh, to protect him and uh just the the imposing nature of him made him feel like a genuine threat which was something that he never felt like in the 2017 version i was like any one of the league members on their best day would just like wipe the floor with this dude uh but this take on him absolutely not that scene whenever he is just wrecking themiscara i i was like this is Stephen. this is the badass i was looking for this is awesome and and even yeah. though he was wrecking Themyscira, I also appreciated that. It, now, granted, Zach had an, a seemingly unlimited amount of time to work with, but but uh, it, I, I appreciated how uh, the Themyscirans it felt like put up more of a fight in this version. Like they, did. it it felt like they were really fighting to their death to try to protect the uh, the mother box. It really did. It felt it felt like there were real stakes here. You know, there there was mm-hmm. a, a real sense of urgency to the whole thing. Um, four hours or you know be damned it it felt like we're moving there is a point to all of this and i feel like there's like some ten, like real tension building throughout the whole experience and that's largely thanks to a fully realized version of their villain uh, and this this is the version of steppenwolf we should have always gotten they should never have changed him uh to whatever he was in the 2017 version uh that this was exactly what I wanted out of a a good Justice League villain, I just still stand by that we sh- we should have seen Darkseid in a different kind of flashback, and that it should have been like Joss Whedon did. He had Steppenwolf be the one that came to Earth and tried to activate the Unity and wound up by being excommunicated. I would have kept that story beat. I just would have used Zack Snyder's aesthetics. I would I would have kept uh, the the look and the and uh, how did they they lose Earth? They couldn't find their way back to earth you know like yeah that that. i got my ass kicked uh you go back and randomly find it and yeah i guess that was vague to me 
Yeah, it was it was super vague. Well, it had it had well, no they, actual explanation. I think it was just uh, an oversight. Or the only ex- rational explanation I have in my head is Darkseid was so offended by his own loss that he wanted to erase that world from his memory and from all records so that he could maintain his level of uh, uh, of godhood. So they just they did away with everything and just mm. decided not to talk about it. He he just got really drunk after he beat, he got <laughs> yeah. beat. He did and, take that axe to the shoulder it. that rendered him like I guess nope. nearly dead. Ryan uh, does have a mother. Uh it's man the that that is one of those things though. It's it's one of those many things that we can talk about in this movie that uh that just don't work because not everything does. But uh, I, I we. We've said wanna, a lot of negative things uh, throughout the the podcast. We've uh, we have like jumped in with some positive stuff, but I do want to to iterate to the audience that overall, this is a really good movie. It, it's yeah. well it's well done for what Zach was trying to do, and it, agreed. It it proves him. It proves that he was probably more right than he was wrong. Uh, Let's not go that far. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I actually I actually agree because like. I kind of, I kind of, uh, I came into the, I, I, I think that this is a good sort of argument for allowing, you know, obviously there are edits that should have been made. No question about that. However, I think this is a strong argument against studio oversight the way that we see it in many of the blockbusters that we get these days. Now, the other side of the coin is Marvel, which has done a masterful job of sort of central oversight of their projects. But I think Warner Brothers has messed up pretty much every step of the way since Christopher Nolan left the Batman movies. Uh, they overreact to everything. They go They have wild shifts in tone across all their movies because they overreact to every movie that comes out and the criticism that that movie gets. I think that with, with this movie, it was a really enjoyable experience for me. I was fully engrossed. Uh, I was thinking about this movie days after I saw it. And I think that for me, I, I look at it at, and I was admittedly, I was one of those people that was mocking the idea of this movie for a long, long time. But I, now I, I'm like, what was the harm of it? It's not my money. It wasn't my money going into this project. We're still getting other projects with all these other characters doing their own thing. We just got Wonder Woman 84 in December. We'll get a new Aquaman movie soon enough, hopefully. And um, I, I just don't see the harm in it. And I thought it was a, I thought it was good. I think Snyder was, had a lot of, I think that there's also a good point that a lot of the stuff that was cut out of the, the movie involved the diversity in the film. It was kind of nice to see that diversity come back in this movie, and it sort of stands out that, yeah, they did cut a lot of a lot of stuff for people that aren't, you know, uh, well, white dudes. Yeah, so, Ryan Choi and Ryan Choi the- was in this movie, yeah. which I didn't even—I had no idea he was even going to be in this movie. I don't remember that even being reported on, but like, uh, yeah, that was cool to see—a a cool addition. They mentioned that Barry or Barry himself mentions that he's Jewish, which they don't talk about before in the other mm-hmm. anything else. So, yeah. So there, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said for that. I, I and the other thing I we didn't mention this earlier. I didn't mention it earlier, but as far as like things that stood out about this movie positively, 
I don't see how anyone could argue that the action scenes weren't a thousand times better in this than they were in the theatrical cut. And that goes back to I don't think I've n- I don't think Joss Whedon has ever been a particularly great action director. Uh, I was never impressed by uh, you know the comedy scenes in the Avengers were great, but I was never impressed by the fight scenes in that movie. The fight scenes here are fantastic. Like to me, way beyond what we got in BVS, even beyond what we saw in Man of Steel. These are some thrilling, thrilling action sequences. It almost felt like Snyder was like, okay, if this is the last chance I get to work with these characters, I'm going to go all out. And we really got a chance to see some incredible dark side vaporizing an Atlantean with the Omega, uh, the Omega effect was <laughs> incredible. Uh, the, uh, the, just seeing the Superman, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman kick the hell out of Steppenwolf at the end. The everything about this, as far as action sequences goes, was just almost flawless to me. That the it looked good, it felt impactful, it felt like these were actual fights going on. I felt the impact of, of the blows that were dealt. Uh, the the a good example of this is that scene where they're evacuating the tower after uh, Cyborg's dad gets kidnapped. That scene, if you go back and watch the theatrical and compare it to this one. The action is so much better in this one. The way it's framed, the way it's cut, uh, adds a lot more drama and a lot more stakes to that scene. And then, of course, we talked about that Superman scene at the end with Steppenwolf. And then that it, it's like any great uh, franchise big fight. It builds to something in the future because after you see Superman show up and wreck shop on Steppenwolf, and then he has that stare down with Darkseid, that yeah. – that's that's great action filmmaking. So yeah, I I have to give credit to that. And I think it was certainly uh, from an action standpoint, in my opinion, anyway, the 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 best uh, of the Snyderverse to this point in terms of just pure action. Uh, I, I would agree with that. The only scene where I thought uh, the action got uh, too Zack Snydery, self indulgent, uh, was when he had Wonder Woman just murder those guys uh who were the uh the terrorists at the uh the i guess it was a french i, I like that I, that was that was like oh don't get me wrong different. the the action scene the action itself in that is great like how fast he has her move like all of that i'm not criticizing any of that i'm just criticizing okay. that the the level of violence they're having dudes like laying in pools of their own blood and her like She's stopping a bomb from exploding by jumping up through the ceiling and throwing it away. And then she comes back down and vaporizes a dude and blows out the entire front of that building. So I was like, why'd you get rid of the bomb? Like, I guess you didn't want it to steal your thunder. Because that's, that's what I saw happening. I was just like, that just seems a little disconnected from, from who we've seen Wonder Woman. That was that uh, bracelet pushing move that she did at the end of Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, and it, and it turned that dude to ash. All that was left was his hat. She uh, murdered Bruce Bolton from Game of Thrones in front of all those girls, and then the girl wants to know how she can be just like her. I get that. <laughs> yeah, I, it didn't. I guess it didn't bother me because we've seen Wonder Woman presented as a warrior in various runs in the comics, like um, the uh, was it Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang mm-hmm. run. Um, and in this case, again, this dude was, I mean, an unrepentant terrorist that was going to yeah. destroy all these children. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't, 
didn't bother me that much. Uh, plus, I did like the fact that they gave the little, um, the sort of child, uh, uh, whatever you call it, the child um, speech. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The sort of like, um, uplifting sort of deal. Oh, man. And the one thing we got to talk about the, because one thing I, I really, I'm probably the highest on this movie of all of us. I really like this movie, but we got to talk about. Why in the hell Martian Manhunter pretended to be Martha Kent? Yeah. I didn't like that. I thought that took away the emotion. That was a kind good of scene. All, like voyeuristic all of the choices with the Martian Manhunter are odd. Like, yeah, I, I agree. He was he was on the planet for General Zod's invasion. Yeah, he was the, the day. Cop. Right. And he did nothing. And then at the end of the movie, he's like yeah, yeah, I got your back, Bruce. Don't worry about it. Next presumably, time. Presumably he was on the planet when uh, Maxwell Lord attempted to uh, brainwash all of humanity. Right. Uh, or, or whatever happened there. And uh, uh, he, yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. And then, but yeah, that, that was so creepy to me, the Martha, because what doesn't that scene have more impact if it's the real Martha? Like to me, or, uh, she, that was a real, I was watching that scene. And I was like, man, that was that that scene affected me because it was like right at a funeral for a friend. It was like, uh, if you remember the Louise Simonson issue uh, where the Kents go and visit Lois and they talk about the fact that one of the most heartbreaking things for them is they don't even get to mourn their own son um, in the way that he deserves to be mourned. Um, so because at that time they're trying to pretend like Clark is still alive but or whatever. But it was uh, – yeah, I really love that scene. And then it kind of he walks out the door and as soon as the eyes lit up, I said, Oh no. I don't know. I mean, we see a lot of Martian Manhunter on I'm I'm sorry, I realize I'm shouting. Um uh, on Supergirl and why why don't you just get involved? And to me it always feels like, oh, they didn't want to spend the money for there to be a fully CGI character who yeah, is allegedly the heart of the justice league well why show us why he's the heart of the justice league uh we we had green lantern teased and teased with these um historical versions of some mm -hmm. weird looking alien green lantern who didn't come but uh you know uh we have to have green lantern or martian manhunter too because he's one of the founding members of the league well show us what's so special about him if yeah. we're going to origin of the justice league one of the most frustrating like studio notes situations about this movie was Zack snyder told the story just a few days ago about it, he shot a version because they, he wanted to do he wanted to do, do john stewart instead of martian manhunter originally he was going to have that last scene be john stewart of well, the green lantern corps showing and up and that newspaper that we see yeah. at lois's feet mentions an architect and there's who's yeah. the architect in the in the DC Universe, and, it's strong. And he said, for whatever reason, that was one of the things the studio was like firm about was, no, you're not going to shoot this scene with Jon Stewart. So he shot it anyway. He said he shot one anyway in his backyard and with, with whoever was going to play Jon Stewart. And supposedly, uh, when they saw it in his original cut that he was going to give to them for HBO Max, they told him to take it out and replace it. So, and he said, was that the hill worth dying on to kill the entire project? So he decided to alter it and do the Martian Manhunter sequence. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'll give him credit on that one because I, I have no idea why they would have ixnayed. A, I, only thing I figure is they've got plans for their Green Lantern Corps 
movie and series that they're doing, but um, it just, yeah, it, it, that was a weird, I agree. The Martian Manhunter stuff did not fit naturally to me in the movie. What did you think, Steve? I thought it just raised too many questions about uh, just logistically, like why wasn't he helping? How, how does he not, he, he wants to be there to lend assistance, but he's been there the whole time and he's done nothing. It just added just like this odd, it was just another aspect of a Zack Snyder. Right. Hey, wouldn't it be cool if without actually thinking it through? Yeah. Take another couple days and and work it out at the writer's table. And oh, wait. Like any other hero that wasn't that that wasn't revealed to be pretending to be this this colonel um, showing up. At the end of the movie, saying, "Look, I, you know, I, I haven't been around, but I'm here now, and I'm ready. I'm going to help you if you need that, help." That's where the John Stewart sense. thing would have would have made a lot more sense. He could say, "He's been right. off. The lanterns have been off world, uh, which is actually mentioned by Steppenwolf at some point. There are no lanterns here, so he shows up and he's like, listen, 'Listen, I've been off world, but I'm back now, and I understand that right. you've got a, a team of guys patrolling the world, basically.' So." Well, we've been at this a while. Um, we're maybe giving this this film more discussion than it perhaps deserves. Although, again, we all overall liked it, right? Uh, yeah. But absolutely. Lately, there's been a movement for restore the Snyderverse. Are Are you all in on that, or is that just should we just let it go, move on, think about what could have been? This is still Justice League, but then we have to deal with it, there being cliffhangers. Uh, what What should we do in this from from here on? What do you think, Stephen? I, I have, having seen the the plans that Zack Snyder released for what he wants to do for a second and third movie, I, I have no interest in it. I really don't. I like the, these future dystopian things that DC Comics seems to love to do are just grating and 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 wearisome. And I would just, I'm fine just moving on. I'm, I, I, I've devoted way too much of my life to mm-hmm. thinking about Zack Snyder's Justice League, <laughs> and I would be I would be happy to not have to think about it ever again. How about you, Greg? I will be the contrarian here because I I, I do not I don't want that either. Don't get me wrong. I don't want I, I would, my preference would be to just cut that second movie out entirely in his plan because I don't have any interest in the Nightmare Verse or any of that stuff, whatever they want to call it. Uh, the nightmare world, but if it meant let, get going through an evil Superman movie to get to what I want to see, it would be worth it for me because I have I don't think that I've left a comic book movie in a long time needing needing to see the follow up battle more than I need to see this Justice League versus Dark Side and his minions because. They had a hard time with Steppenwolf, and the way the movie's mythology sets it up is that Steppenwolf is roughly ten levels below Darkseid. Mm-hmm. He would be he would be the lowliest henchman of Darkseid. So how badass is Darkseid if Steppenwolf is a is a peon to him? I want to see Darkseid, and I want a, a hell a three hour movie of Darkseid and his minions taking on the Justice League. I want to see it. I know that Marvel gave us that a little bit with Thanos and company, but this would be a little different. Dark side, a little more uh, menacing, I think, to me than Thanos is. So 
I would uh, I would very much like to see that and like to see how the heroes have to overcome, have to come together and br- bring in perhaps some more heroes right. to Expand. overcome overcome the uh, dark side. So yeah, that for me, I don't like the nightmare stuff any more than you guys do. But so for sweet. me, it would be worth it if I got that. And I don't think we're going to, for the record. But it would be worth it if I got to see that dark side battle with the Justice League. Yeah, I I am uh, intentionally muting certain hashtags from here on out, much as I did back in the day when I, I <laughs> when people were talking about bringing back this cut. Just they're so omnipresent and persistent, and it's sometimes not your favorite people who are doing this. Um, so I, I'd rather hear those people talking about basketball or wrestling or something like that, but they want to restore the Snyderverse. So I'm, I'll be muting that. I, I in no way think they should, uh, Zach should have anything to do. We've moved on at this point. It is what it is. That's an overused cliche, but uh, let, let's just keep going on with movies in the style of Shazam and Aquaman and uh, hopefully Black Adam will be, will be of this newer tone and we'll just kind of go on and, Hopefully we'll revisit Dark Side and this kind of twisted take. What I, I visioned or I, I was able to glean from watching this version of Apocalypse is this this feels like anti Asgard to me. You know, that long table and the, the granny goodness who didn't look as gross as I wanted her to look. I wanted Granny Goodness to be disgusting and I want, look like I want it I want Ed Ed Asner Asner drag, to play right? yeah. to play Granny Goodness. So yeah, let's just let's just let sleeping dogs lie. It, um, everybody got what they wanted. They got to see Zach's vision on this, but DC I'll, is. I'll, go ahead. I'll tell you what. I'll change my mind and say that yes, we should get more Zack Snyder's Justice League if he can get Grant Morrison to write the script for the next two movies. If he can get 1998 Grant Morrison to write the script. I'll even take 2004 Grant Morrison. Okay. Yeah. Anything, exactly. really, anything is better than 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 having his writing team do this. But you know, since they seem to be cribbing some of the uh, some of Grant Morrison's more cosmic New Gods battles with with the Justice League, I got a, I got a very strong uh, Rock of Ages vibe. Mm-hmm. I don't know about anybody else from parts of yeah. the Nightmare scene. So just just go whole hog with it. Have Grant Morrison write the script and go from there. Yeah, DC uh, WB, they're they're more interested in these smaller contained universes. I think at this point, the Batman will have his own universe. Yeah. There's and and, and it, I think the mistake was as a company is to try to play catch up with Marvel too soon. Do not not lay all the groundwork or yeah. lay too much groundwork in certain places. Um, however. Overall, this was an improvement on the original. Russell has given his thoughts uh, as well. We lost Russell to due to Southern Internet. Southern Internet, yeah. Southern, Southern Internet, uh, TM, trademark, Lilo podcast. Overall, excellent film with some flaws, but well worth watching if you're already a fan of Zach's vision. Okay. So we all agree with that. And this has been a good time. What do you guys think? Anything else we need to cover? Anybody else have some of their own stuff to get in? Uh, not really. I, I, I think, uh, you know, I was, I had a good time being on here. I appreciate being invited on. I really enjoyed this movie and people can follow my thoughts on various things on Twitter at G Phillips, eight, six, five, two. That's G Phillips, 
800-242-8652. And I know, Stephen, you've got a website. Tell us about it. You've also got a full-length review of this movie, don't you, on there? Oh, yeah. If you, I, I've got full-length review of Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and really anything having to do with Superman over at thecasualgeekery.com. Uh, comic books, television shows, music, and anything else that uh, you can geek out about, it's right. It's all right there. Hey, uh, which version of Hallelujah would you have put over the end credits, Stephen? Not Allison Crows. <laughs> just, just, just leave it at that. I haven't heard that one. I've heard a lot of bad American Idol versions over the years, but the Jeff Buckley is my favorite. Yes, mine too. I, so, I, I if I never hear Leonard Cohen's version again after all of the usages in Zack Snyder, yeah, movies, Zach I'll ruined be that song, <laughs> that version of that song. I like this. There's this guy named uh, Brett Young that did a version of Hallelujah that's pretty good. Um, not as good as Buckley's, but but pretty damn good. Yeah, and even like churches have co-opted Hallelujah, which is very very ironic, right? That's that's There's, just weird. Christmas versions of Hallelujah and and it's just it's wrong. But anything to get Is that anything like the uh, classic song uh, by uh, by Iron Butterfly in the Garden of Eden. Right, that would be Hararura. Right, it becomes a malapropism <laughs> because in the Garden of Eden becomes in Agata de Vida. What movie do you think of when you think of in the in Agata de Vida, Gregory? Oh my gosh! I usually think of The Simpsons, actually. But <laughs> what are you thinking of? No, Manhunter is the right answer. The, oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, the eighth yeah, the version movie, of the yeah. Hannibal Lecter Red Dragon story. So. Yes, yeah, a classic movie. Yeah, with uh, Will. What's his name? Will Peterson. Oh, uh, who as well? It's Will Byers. It's Byers is the. I'm trying to think now. It's a, it's an actor who didn't work a whole lot, and then it's Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter. Very strange. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Hang on, I, I'm. You can hear the typing noise of my computer. I'm looking it on. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, William Peterson. I knew yeah. him because he was on CSI. CSI was yeah, the first guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, this the, is believe it or not a time when there was when there was only one season of CSI. He was the guy. Right? We could do a between the three, four of us. We could do a two-hour podcast on sequiturs going into pop culture references. But that's not what the people are here for. They got to listen to our thoughts on Snyder Cut. So. Uh, for Russell Sellers, my co-host, I'm Todd Weber. We are thankful that you checked this out. And uh, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to put on the black and white Justice is Gray. Oh my goodness, what a terrible title. Uh, but I, I keep getting these things, you know, is, is Zack Snyder's objectivism bleeding through, you know? There's right and there's wrong and ne'er the twain shall meet. All right. That's enough. I'm overthinking it. I'm thinking it more than some of the writers on his team did. It was overall a good film to me. I'm I'm, I'm picking at nits here. Uh, the effects were so much better too. Yes, it's it's it stands out when you see good CGI in a comic book movie. How bad the bad CGI comic yeah. book movies are. Because, like, something like uh, theatrical justly atrocious CGI, any Fantastic Four movie that's ever been made, atrocious CGI, and then you uh, and then you see this, and it's and you're right, the, the CGI is so much better in this. I mean, it's not fair. I mean, we're years later. There, people have been working on this for a long, long time, but yeah, big difference. I again, I'm I'm still processing it, and I'm thinking about it, but. Uh, Overall, I'm glad we glad we all saw it and glad we uh, had those questions answered. Those what ifs, 
What now if, can can we take seventy million dollars and give that budget to the CW universe? Just asking, because I, I would mean, like to see that. And they seem and the, to clearly have it on Superman and Lois. Superman, especially. You watch that first episode, and it's oh, that's Superman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then there's whatever, and then there's whatever the hell that was on the Flash this week. Oh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, Stephen. Holy mackerel! That was the worst CGI I, I since the Mummy Returns. Mm, We've seen it a some bad nights ago, and it was terrible. Do you remember Giant Captain or Baron Blitzkrieg on? Yes, Netflix? this was worse than Baron Blitzkrieg. Oh, okay. Oh. This looked literally like The Rock in The Mummy Returns, if you remember that. I do remember that. I was on a date with uh, She Who Shall Not Be Named. And when the, the Scorpion King as the, the big one, you know, this CGI thing, my, my then-girlfriend stood up and said, If you smell! And I, I like, that was really, really a special moment. <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so All that's right. that. I can't extricate it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for tuning in, listeners. And we will see you next time on DC for you. Uh, hashtag. Please don't restore the Snyderverse.